What is going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Fit Shit Podcast. Uh, today, I have Alicia Nance, owner of Team Vigor, here to talk to us about her process this year, especially going into the offseason, gaining weight, reverse diet, and or uh, recovery diet, however you guys want to structure that or name it. Uh, but just to kind of share her journey and her perspective going through a very diligent and disciplined reverse, staying a little bit on the leaner side during the improvement season, and then coming back into this year and how she feels it, it, it differs um, in her experience. So Alicia, please introduce yourself and tell people yeah. a little bit about you. Okay, so I am owner of Team Figure. We are a lifestyle competition team down in Conroe, Texas, which is a little bit north of Houston, like 40 miles north of Houston. Um, I have a business partner, Casey Ragsdale. So we're both competitors. Um, she's been competing a lot longer than I have. I, what am I, my third season? I just finished my third season. And um, we have just, now we're just both in our off season, kind of grinding away at business, growing our team. Um, enjoying our off seasons, which is something that's been very different for me this year. I approached my off season completely different um, after competing six times. And I think it's going a lot better. <laughs> yeah. So I remember, and I've seen you um, and you can kind of talk about um, if you're comfortable, if not, I'll totally cut this out. Um, but like being on HRT and how that's also a little uh -huh. bit different for you. Um, but as far as like what I've seen from you before, we really started to get to know one another, right? I was always like, she stays so lean all the time, all the time. <laughs> She's this girl is shredded. Um, and this year it's been so nice a, to get to know you on a personal level a lot better. Um, but to see you, you just, it just feels like you're thriving a little bit more. Like you maybe never fully recovered in your previous off seasons. Yes. And now you're like definitely in that element where your body is happy. Your mind is happy. I'm sure your performance is better. So can you first talk about the previous reverses that you've gone through and kind of how those were for you and then compare and contrast this year and what you've chosen to do differently um, and how those both kind of weigh out pros and con wise. Okay. So first I'll address the HRT because I think that's a huge reason and why I was able to stay lean um, year round. So HRT is hormone replacement therapy. I have my blood work done. I've been on it since I was like 27, 28, maybe. Um, I have my blood work drawn every six months. I always check my levels. I've had two, so I have two kids, 12 and 14. So during my pregnancies, my hormones all kind of tanked afterwards. I was really young and um, I just didn't have testosterone going through CrossFit, which is high intensity workouts. I probably just dug a hole with my body. So I got it fixed and I still continue to take it. So even through preps, I was taking testosterone, very minimum dose, um, just enough to keep me in a range um, that's healthy for a female. And so I just want to, I want you to, if you know, if you don't know, that's totally fine. Um, I will have somebody coming on talking about blood work, um, but for you, and this is very context dependent, ladies and gentlemen, so please don't take that and run with it. But I'm going to ask you, what is the dose that you are running? Um, and when you say healthy and optimal for a female, do you know where that lies um, in your given spectrum? Yeah. Okay. So I take 0.23 mg. I think it's mg. Um, once a week. So that's my prescription once a week, but I am crazy where I don't like to feel that fluctuation. So if you give an injection one time a week, you see it kind of spike and then it kind of dips down. I don't like that. So I split it up into two little tiny doses, um, twice a week. And that just helps me stay stable the whole week. And I don't get those peaks and lows. Um, and optimal for a female is about 150 to 250. 
I'm an athlete. Uh, what we do, we're athletes. So I could actually go a little higher. I just choose not to, because I worry about side effects. Um, so I generally keep mine at the higher end. Um, about 250 is where I stay. Um, but that's, you know, I could go into the 400s. I, again, I'm scared <laughs> to have side effects. So I don't, I just stay and I feel good on it. I don't feel like I need to increase it. So I stay with the minimum dose and it's worked well for me, um, all these years and it helps with recovery and it helps with, um, body composition. So I think that's kind of why the coach that I had, we always just kept it playing it safe because I was on HRT and my hormones were always optimal. So it wasn't a big deal to not put on the weight in the off season. Um, so previous seasons, let's see, this is my third off season. So the first two off seasons, I was very diligent with my reverse. I nailed it. I increased 10 carbs a week. I, you know, very small increases climbed up. Um, I didn't take long off seasons. I would kind of get back into the, the cycle of shows and I would prep down And each year. I did look better. Um, it just wasn't enough for what the judges were wanting. And it always, always came down to my glutes, the fullness, the 3d getting that bigger depth. So last year, so the first year that I, um, I went into reverse, I nailed it. I felt great. It was good. We got my calories up. Um, I didn't get those post-show blues. I was ready. It was fun. And then the second season I went into off season, I had post-show blues so bad. I just was depressed that I wasn't prepping anymore, that I wasn't competing. Um, we couldn't get my calories higher without me gaining weight. And the coach that I had was, um, always kind of worried about gaining too much weight. So we just kept my calories lower and I stayed lean. And when I look back at pictures from how I looked last season in my off season at the height of my off season, I was literally always looking six weeks out, four weeks out. Like I could have just dieted real fast and gotten on stage. Um, and I think mentally and for my health, it didn't do well for me. Um, I didn't make necessary changes I needed to make. I was a little bit different, but not enough different. I brought a completely different package, uh, changed hair color, changed suit color, did all of this stuff. And I still fell a little bit short. Um, so I knew this is what I do for a living. So, <laughs> you know, we're kind of like, well, maybe we should try this. We should try this. I got off stage. I kind of, I left the coach that I had and I said, I'm just going to take care of my health first mentally. Um, I also started going through a divorce at the same time I started my reverse. So, uh, I just needed to let go of some things. I needed to let go of trying to hold on to being lean because that's what I thought everybody wanted to see from me. Um, even though this is my job and my career, it doesn't mean I have to live that stage lean part 365 days a year. Um, I have to get out of it for my own health. So I, decided I did reverse. <laughs> I, I did reverse for about six weeks where I gradually increased. And then I got to a point where I was still so food focused, so hungry, so just like mentally tired and drained. Um, I did not weigh myself because that's a, that's a trigger for me to weigh and see my weight climb. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to feed my appetite. And I ate, I still tracked my food. Um, I do that because that's, like a thing for me to be in control is I like tracking my food, whether I eat 200 carbs or 400 carbs, I still track it. I still see like what I'm eating. I still know how much I'm eating. I still follow high protein diet, basically a high carb diet 
moderate fat. You know, I, I like to keep my fats like 50 to 60 and, um, I gained weight and I didn't, I knew I gained weight. I could feel it. I could see it, but I loved it. And that was a difference this year as I felt really good and really clear-minded gaining weight and not trying to hold on to a look that I thought everybody wanted to see. I just did it for me. And it's turned out to be even bigger. You know, that's what people, they love seeing it. They love seeing that I'm just honest and, you know, going through the process and hopefully next year when I prep and diet again, it will pay off and I will be in a much better headspace going through it. There's so many things that I want to kind of dive into. And I had to take some notes while you were talking. So this is something um, that I very much struggled with. And I think is very common, especially if you are coaching or just Uh doing something in the fitness industry, there is this pressure because there are people and they do this and that's okay. Like we've all done this where you post pictures that may not be your current physique or like photo shoot pictures when you're in your off season, uh-huh. from when you were in prep. And so what people do is as a consumer is you see the image and you associate it with current time. And so you think that this person always looks like this or uh-huh. they're struggling and they are actually trying to sustain that, but their quality of life sucks or the compensation that they're continuing to revolve, evolve themselves into um, is taking away from where they could be progressing. And so I think one of the biggest messages that I personally have for people is to normalize a healthy body in the bodybuilding realm. And for what that looks like for everybody is going to be different, but I do feel that there's a lot of pressure and I've been victim to this, um, where you have to be shredded or otherwise, like you're inadequate as an athlete, you're no longer a bodybuilder. You Uh call yourself a competitor, um, all these different things. And I, I do see when you really look at, especially bodybuilders and like long-term bodybuilders, they, you know, they used to do the dirty bulk thing and like, you know, we don't need to do that. But at the same time, they never, they struggle on their own, like men do with their own, you know, body image stuff, but they don't necessarily fight the weight gain process. Whereas I feel there's a lot of pressure on female athletes to only gain X amount of weight. And so when you make blanket statements like that, especially if you are an athlete that needs to improve, you're taking away from the improvements that you could be making by focusing on the weight of the scale or your body fat percentage. And we all go through this kind of body dysmorphic shift when you're in prep, you get quote unquote prep goggles. Um, Mm -hmm. And especially first timers, you will never see your, this is the first time you're seeing yourself that lean. And it can be very enticing to want to sustain that because of the likes, because of the acknowledgement. However, when you reach true stage conditioning, there's a big difference between how you look on social media and how you look in person. Uh Um, In person, you will look very sick, very thin, um, (laughs) you know, because you're so shredded, you've lost a lot of shape. And as bodybuilding athletes, our job is to contort our figure physique to give us shape. But in person, we are not as shapely or as full or as hard, you know, it, we look very small. Um, and so it's, it's not number one, like for those of you that think it's attractive, most people are not necessarily that attracted to, um, (laughs) women when we're that shredded. Um, but two, it is not sustainable or realistic to try to hold on to that. And so the expectation coming out of a competition prep, and I made a post about this today is it's only, you know, appropriate to be completely shredded when you're trying to win a bodybuilding show. That's uh-huh. the only time in context it's actually appropriate to be that way. But outside of that, 
you're taking away from the improvements you could be making along with, you know, life wins and health by trying to sustain those measures. Um, the other thing that you said was uh, you, you touched on self-awareness. And I think that that's really important um, for you. Like, I, and a lot of people are like, I failed my reverse. Well, how can you fail it? It, it might be that the approach um, that was given to you was not what you needed, but mm-hmm. I don't think that there is a one size fits all way when it comes to starting your off season. And it's always going to be context dependent as to where you're at. Um, so when you talk about I had to track and I tracked anyways, you know, for some people, they don't understand, or they look at numbers, um, and obsess over them to the point where it has to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, then they're going to binge. Right. And so instead of looking at it from that perspective, cause you and I, I think are very much the same on this. I look at it from how's my body going to respond if I overeat in this manner. Mm-hmm. And then I yes. take the data, um, because I'm, I like to see trends and I like to assess a response. And I understand that indulging in something is not going to make me put on 10 pounds as long as it's a controlled thing. Um, And one thing that I think is really important for every athlete to consider going into their off season is what do you need as the athlete, and, and where are your triggers? And then if it's a scale obsession, if it's a tracking obsession, right, you need to work with your coach on strategies and methods to implement into your reverse that are going to allow you to be successful. I think the number one thing that I see people struggling, struggling with is this quote unquote, I'm failing my reverse because the protocols that are given to you in a reverse aren't going to fit your personality, your lifestyle, your obligations, your mental state, um, all those different things. And so I think it's very important to practice self-awareness and to understand where you're at, what your triggers are, what you actually need versus what you want. Um, and I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to diligently reverse and I'm only going to do it like you had done it in the past, 10 carbs a week. I'm going to uh-huh. nail it. And then when you go 25 carbs over because you're hungry um, in the, the hormonal adaptations, which again is in the post that I made today, um, you know, those things are going to draw you to do something different. And if you give yourself ranges instead of structured macros, so if you give yourself an untracked meal, but you have accountability with that meal, I mean, there are so many different tools um, that you can implement with your coach that are going to align you to feel like you're winning because the last thing um, that you want to feel is like you're losing, or then you start engaging in self-sabotaging behaviors. Like I'm already over five grams of fat. Fuck it. I'm just going to eat the whole jar. Or uh-huh. this, right. <laughs> so if you're someone that's triggered by those things. Maybe you step away from tracking. Maybe you eat your same meals and you keep those consistent and then you add in an untracked item where you're not really Uh necessarily tracking numbers and you don't feel guilty for that, but you're sticking to your staples. You're sticking to your portion sizes that you've learned. And hopefully you've educated yourself throughout the process where you have these really great habits, but you're going to have two scoops of ice cream or two slices of pizza or whatever it might be that you're craving. And you don't feel guilty about that. So um, I just think that those notes were really important and I'm glad that you touched on that. See, I'm like that. Okay. So how you mentioned about the tracking, I'm like that with my scale weight. And that's what I did this year. That was completely different. I had not weighed since July 2nd. I got on stage July 4th. Like my lowest weight was like 116, which is tiny, tiny, tiny for me. And, um, I got off stage. I did not weigh because a trigger for me is seeing my scale weight go up. And that trigger means I pull my food back because I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. My, my weight's going up. Let me pull my food back. So this year I said, that's my trigger. I know that about myself. 
tracking is not my trigger. I love the data. I love seeing, okay, I had 400 carbs yesterday. This is how my body is today. Like, I love that. Um, so I got off this scale and I didn't let that be my trigger. I could see that I was gaining weight, but I was like, it looks good though. Like, I don't care what that number is. Um, and so I, it's like that, you know, it, and it's, it's sustainability. So it's just like, if you're dieting and you give a lifestyle client, a plan they can't be adherent to, then what's the point of the plan? It's the same with reverse. If you can't be adherent to the reverse, that's too strict, then give it a little bit more leniency so that you can be adherent to it. Yeah. I had a, a client check-in who's, we did a recovery diet. So we really bumped her food. Um, initially we hit that 5% range and that's where she was kind of comfortable with the game. Um, and then in her check-in, she was kind of like, you know, I'm not ready for untracked meals, but she was having extra things anyways. And I said, I don't want you to feel like you can't have that. So this is what we need to do. I want you to eat your normal macros. And on top of that, once a week, I want you to give me a list of three things, three or four things that you're craving. And then we're going to go into it with a game plan. So for her, it was a Subway sandwich that she liked, right? So I was like, okay, on top of that, after exercise or whatever, like you can have your Subway sandwich. Or when you go out with your kids, you can have three scoops of ice cream, right? Something like that, where it's like, I'm eating my normal meals, but then on top of it, I can have something that's not tracked at all, right? And it lets them feel like I'm hitting my targets. I'm being consistent. And then once a week I have this, I have this treat that I want, right? Until Mm -hmm. we can kind of reverse the hormonal down regulations and up regulations with ghrelin, um, And along the psychological aspects as well, because when you're irritable, when your sleep is bad, cortisol is going to be elevated. Performance is still going to suffer, right? Hormones are not in balance yet. So we are not even performing to a place where we can build more muscle. Um, And if you're psychologically food focused and stressed about the food focus, um, Uh you know, it's not going to lead to setting up to be successful, but as the athlete, this is where I dislike strongly the pressure that we put on women to only gain five or 10 pounds if you only gain five or 10 pounds and you're still not recovered, then what progress Mm -hmm. are you actually making for improvement? Um, and you're taking away from where you could be. Um, and when it comes to, you know, body fat regain, I think the, the expectation is people see and people, I mean, coaches also post like the athletes that eat a lot in their off season look shredded. Um, but it's, it's very context dependent to that athlete, what they need to achieve. And again, like in the industry that we're in, most people are not natural. So there's that tool. Um, and, and you just can't compare yourself to that because where you need to be is not where somebody else needs to be. Mm -hmm. And so looking at it from that standpoint and not fighting the weight gain, because it needs to happen. I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. You need to gain weight. Like being shredded is like a very temporary stage shot picture. Um, and then you need to get the fuck out of there. Um, Mm -hmm. because you can have things like a mentoria, like there, I have a friend, um, who cannot have children. She does not have the choice at a young age in her twenties to reproduce, right? Do you want that choice taken away from you long-term? Sure. We get caught up in the instant gratification and the sport and how beautiful it is and you know, how great you feel or how, because of the acknowledgements that you get, uh-huh. right? but long-term you have a life to live outside of that. And for me, um, I want to always have the choice and you're setting yourself up to take those things away or be on things like HRT for life. Um, because you refuse. And I'm not saying that's what happened to you, but in general, um, there are a lot of people that are even younger than me, um, that are now on HRT because they Mm -hmm. dieted for so long and refused to gain weight to where their body needs to be for survival purposes, for reproductive purposes. Um, and it's really sad to see. And so those, those types of things can be mitigated if you can set yourself up with realistic expectations, um, for progress. So, 
diving back into where you're at this year, I know you mentioned like not weighing yourself at all. Have you weighed yourself? Yes. So I finally weighed myself because, uh, again, I like the data and I'm like, okay, I'm to a place where I, I love my body. I love the curves. Um, I have been honest on my social media about, I mean, I post physique pictures. I don't like to post old pictures because I don't want to give people that idea that I'm still stage lean Mm -hmm. um, because people look up to you just as, you know, an influencer. And so um, I finally weighed myself having a really good headspace and I've gained 25 pounds (laughs) since being on stage, but it's the first time that I've taken this time and gained that weight. And I feel so good. I'll tell you this. I never recovered. And this would be my piece of advice to somebody who's like coming off stage, going into the reverse and thinking, okay, I want to do a show in six months, fully recover your body and your brain and just mental and health. Um, this would probably be the first time I've, I've ever recovered. I'm an athlete who doesn't get super low calorie. That doesn't mean I'm not hungry. It just means my body takes a lot of food. It takes me a lot of food. Um, I have probably been hungry for the past three years. <laughs> like I've never fully recovered. I'm always hungry. And this year I got off stage. I started my, you know, reverse. I was doing it on my own again. And I was just still hungry and I'm, I was tired of it. So I bumped all my stuff. You know, I went to 400 carbs. I, you know, I kept my fats low. I went high protein and I just wanted to heal my hunger. I was so tired of it. And I'm to a place the last couple of weeks where I'm not hungry anymore. Like I probably have dialed back my macros a little bit just because that, that, um, need to eat isn't there. Like I feel satisfied. The food is always there. I'm eating my healthy food. I love it. I, you know, I eat, I'm not hungry anymore. That's how it should be. And it hasn't been like that for years. And so I know that tells me that my body's healed, that mentally I'm healed. Like the food's always going to be there. And, um, it's probably been the best thing I could have done. It's a lot of weight, but I feel great. So it doesn't matter to me. So I think there's a lot to be said in there because weight, uh, is not an indicator of body composition whatsoever, mm-hmm. um, whatsoever. And I'll say, uh, my last improvement season where I really needed to put on muscle, I was 20 pounds over my stage weight easily. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's uncomfortable and sure. Like, but over time, number one, you feel more confident in that shape because you're in a healthy body. Your performance is going to skyrocket. I'm sure your performance is phenomenal. Oh yeah. I PRs every week. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah. And so there is a limit in which I see, especially with women is there's a body fat set point that you have to get to, or at least a weight that you need to be at for you to be able to overload and perform and recover optimally for the progress that you need to make. And so when you fight that five, that's why I hate people say only five pounds, only 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. Well, if that athlete needs to put on eight pounds of muscle, I don't really give a shit if they gain 15 pounds, 20 pounds, because they're taking at least a year off. Like they need to do that. So it's always going to be context dependent for the person. Um, But when you talk about being fully recovered, I also think a lot of people, and I see this in how people operate, is they never actually regulate their their hunger signaling, which is is something that I feel is important. Um, Because if you never feel full, um, you're never actually healing. You're not recovering. Mm -hmm. Those those signals are there for a reason, right? We we praise those who can starve themselves, and and then we praise those people who like eat like assholes. Um, there has to be that balance of your body is telling you you're hungry. It's okay to eat, 
okay, I'm full now and I'm being mindful and mm-hmm. I'm not eating everything and licking my plate or, you know, doing all the things, scrubbing right. out the bottom of your food container. <laughs> Peanut butter with the finger. <laughs> yeah. Because you're still hungry. And these are tendencies, mm-hmm. I mean, behaviors that are disordered like, and again, in bodybuilding, you will develop, especially as you get shredded disordered like tendencies. But what you don't want to do is allow that to manifest into a full out disorder. And so that's where there are boundaries that you have to be very aware of. And for some people, the reverse process is going to be longer, depending on how lean you got, um, how the adaptations were, where your previous body fat set point was relative to where you are, right? So there's a lot of variables that are going to play into the recovery timeline for that person. But the goal for me as a coach, number one, is to educate my clients through tracking, throughout their preps, right? To the point where Mm -hmm. we understand proper portion sizes. Number two, to take that knowledge into your improvement season once we've recovered to where you can have your meals, but maybe you don't finish them. You go out to eat and you're not the appetizer, the the dinner, the dessert, then the drinks. And then we were at Domino's at 2 a.m. because I just couldn't stop, right? That is not something that you want Mm -hmm. five months post-show. But if you're never actually recovering because you're fighting the process or you're compensating, um, that is going to turn into something long-term that is really, really uh, problematic for you, uh, for your mental health, for your family, for your friends, um, for all of that stuff. Because I think people get lost in prep as being bodybuilding and bodybuilding. The, there's a, a season of prep, but there's also a season of improvement, which is where you should spend 80, 90% of your time. Um, and then you do prep when you're ready and, and you're all in because you fully recovered and the motivation is high and you're ready to put your body through that again, because it is extreme. I don't know where this idea of like prep is healthy is coming from now, but, um, prep is not healthy. Being shredded is not healthy. Um, I don't know why that people think there are are tools that you can implement to mitigate the aggressiveness in, in the adaptive process, right. Over time, you can do it and not be a complete asshole. Um, but at the same time, getting shredded is hard. Um, it Mm -hmm. requires a lot. It is not easy for anybody. And I like that you touched on the fact that you can eat a lot in my off season. I'm hoping this year my intake gets higher. My last off season, my highest carb intake was 225. That's it. And like, you know what I'm saying? But I also see like, people are like, why can't I eat that much? Why can't I eat that much? Well, some people like once you reach maintenance and you're in a slight surplus, that's all your body can handle. If you don't Mm -hmm. go up, right. There's a point where if your hormones are imbalanced, and you feel good, that's your, that's your limit. And so when right. I, when you, what you just went through and you mentioned like really feeding up and then kind of pulling back is more of like a recovery approach. What I would mm-hmm. say, right. Where you're actively in a surplus, you're actively focused on gaining weight and the calorie surplus is aggressive. And it might be the highest calories you intake in your entire improvement season, because at some point you need to stop putting on body fat, right. um, and allow your body because too much body fat is also like counterproductive right. goals, right. right. And not healthy. So you, you're going to have to pull back. And I know a lot of people when I feed them up and then they're like, Oh, you're taking away food. Well, we're at a point now where we're just putting on body fat. So it's not optimal, mm-hmm. right. We're recovered. Everything is good. Uh, we have to start kind of tapering back and focus on performance recovery and regulating that hunger. And so when you live by three numbers all the time, you see those numbers drop and you're like, Oh my God, the numbers drop. And then you start to become more food focused. Whereas if you've regulated hunger signaling and you're taking away the education from the portion sizes and things like that, you realize, well, that's kind of good. I'm not always hungry to eat all that shit. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is where, you know, I need to kind of level out at again. And there are hard gainers that will need to push food. So there's that, right. It's always going to be context dependent. And there are people like me that 
you know, I still get really hungry after my leg days, even when my carbs are at 225, uh-huh. 250, um, you know, but I can't, I have to regulate my intake um, to make sure that I'm not putting on superfluous amounts of body fat either. So there's, it's always, I, this is why I hate, like, there's one way to do it. There's two ways to do it. There's a million ways to skin the cat. So you have to find the approach that fits best for you, but also aligns with the goals that you have, the improvements that you need to make and the timeline that's in front of you. And that is where it gets really important for the coach to kind of build the roadmap and the blueprint, but also pay attention to not just the data points, uh, but the biofeedback markers, the psychological elements um, in the lifestyle of the client. Yeah, absolutely. Cause everybody is different. And as a coach, you should know every athlete that you have, every client that whether or not they're athletes or not, every person is different and it's not a one approach to all. And I felt like maybe sometimes I was kind of put in that category in the past. And I know I am, I will tell you, I'm the most in tune person with my body. I can tell you everything that's happening. And I'm like that with my clients. And once I get to know their bodies, I'm like, okay, this is what's happening to you right now. Like, and that's your job as a coach. So sometimes you have to think outside the box. And like you said, mine was more of a recovery diet because now I'm to the point where, and I wasn't eating, I wasn't eating like an asshole. I was eating my normal foods that I eat all year long. I was just eating more of it. I wasn't eating Twinkies and everything like that. And so now I'm, I'm at that point where I'm welcoming that pullback because I'm not hungry anymore. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. I can pull back my food. I'm still hitting strength in the gym. I'm still feeling really good, but I feel recovered and I feel like free almost. And that's been the most important part of this whole journey, I would say. Yeah. And I think that that's a lot of things that it's sad for me to see. And I've been there. Like I said, I'm speaking from experience. There was a time if you Mm -hmm. scroll back or you see one of my transformation pictures where I was literally Skeletor. I was 94 Mm -hmm. pounds soaking wet, right? Absolutely Mm -hmm. shredded. But I was 94 pounds of like skin and bone and like a little bit of muscle Mm -hmm. tissue. Like it wasn't. It, it wasn't conducive to anything, not bodybuilding, not quality of life, not gaining weight, not putting on muscle. It was literally a shit fest. Um, and I tell people all the time, and I say that because you look at me and you're like, oh my God, she was shredded. Like I had shredded glutes as a competing, as a bikini competitor. Mm-hmm. That's not it. That is not it. Um, <laughs> but like the pressure that I felt, it was like, you always have to be lower. You always have to weigh less. Yeah. And so like, I'd get on the scale and I almost get like a high of like, oh, the scale drop, the scale, yeah. drop, scale drop, scale drop, scale drop. I'm getting leaner. I'm doing it. I'm doing the bodybuilding thing. Like, fuck no. Like, no one cares what you weigh. Literally no one. Mm-hmm. And if you don't yeah. have density, <laughs> like you should be heavier. Like your goal should be for your scale weight to go up anyways. Right. So when it comes to, and, and this is why I think it's better to look at your body composition at a given weight mm-hmm. that you hit before and look at pictures and kind of keep those metrics as improvements because you can see. Like I would rather weigh what I weighed this year, um, in comparison to what I looked like at 94 pounds, I would rather have muscle and shape and the tone that everybody's seeking, um, Mm -hmm. rather than hit my 94 pounds because it's a low. Right. And so when you look at your goals objectively and logically, like, I don't care. I don't think anybody, and I, I posted this as a poll and literally hundred percent of people said they'd rather have tone and shape and muscle than to hit a low weight and be skinny fat. So mm-hmm. you have to align that end goal, um, with the, the protocols that you do. And if you're focused on cardio and the weight dropping, you are losing muscle, especially as a woman, you are not holding on to any of that. And your body's going to prioritize storing adipose tissue for reproductive purposes. And so it doesn't matter, um, what the scale says. And this is where I challenge people to really take that. And every time you weigh in and you see a number you don't like, 
it's a data point. Like I'm at the point now where my weight does not bother me. It fluctuates every day, depending on if I poop, if I slept, how much uh-huh. I had yesterday, how much water I had. And I understand those variables to a point where I'm just like, cool. Yep. Well, it's that time. Like, cool. Yeah. Whereas I get more excited about, um, is my strength going up? Is my performance going up? Am I hitting PRs in the gym? Like that is where I have fucking fun. Like I love mm-hmm. improvement season because I love getting strong. Like I personally think it's important as well to have body composition goals outside of bodybuilding. Right. Uh, because 99.9% of us are not going to be pros. 99.9% of us mm-hmm. are not going to be on the Olympia stage. And I'm sorry that if that is your dream, the odds of it happening are minimal. And that's okay that you have those ambitious goals because trust me, I want to be a pro and I would love to be on the Olympia stage, but by no means am I going to do something to my body or put something in my body um, or, you know, live a lifestyle that I don't enjoy because I have a life outside of the sport. And so when it comes to like the improvements that I need to make, like if someone were to tell me that I need way bigger lats. Like I'm at a time where I like my lats. I don't want to grow them anymore. Right. I'm okay Uh with maintaining my lats. Or if someone were to tell me not to grow my glutes anymore, which would never happen, but hypothetically, (laughs) (laughs) if that was what the bikini industry wanted right now, I would not do that because for me in my body and my confidence and the way I want to change my physique, I want juicy ass hamstrings and a big old booty. Like I want, Uh I want that. So when it comes to the goals that you have also be realistic and unless you're a pro and you are like on the Olympia stage and you are fine tuning everything because this is your career and your job, which I know people who are, and that's phenomenal for them. They are genetic freaks and they have, you know, just they're, they're great humans um, and great uh, athletes, but most of us aren't that. So, um, you know, you need to also make sure that, you know, what you're doing in this sport is what you want to do long-term to yourself too. Mm-hmm. Good point. Very so good point. when it comes to like your body composition and your goals, like do, what do you feel in this off season? Like, are you focused on solely just bodybuilding stuff? Are you focused on performance stuff? Um, for me, I like to get into performance type of goals. So what are your goals in your off season? So this off season, I just wanted to get my strength back because I lost so much strength. I used to be so much stronger and I lost so much of that getting caught up in dieting. And that's what suffers honestly so bad. So this season, I just wanted to eat the food and lift all the weights. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to, um, make my, my, like my squats are terrible. I was like, I want to focus on bettering my squats, getting stronger at them. And that's what I do. I build my own progressive overload programs and I squat every week. I hip thrust three times a week because obviously my only, my critique on stage is glutes, 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 all the glutes. I need all the glutes. So hip thrusting three times a week. Um, and just building that strength and seeing those numbers increase has been the most satisfying and like gratifying thing of it's all so season. Fun. Like, it's so fun. I just, I love it. You know, it's just like, holy shit, I'm super strong all of a sudden. And it's amazing. I just, you know, I'm like for a bikini girl, I sure can lift a lot of weight. Like I love feeling like that. So that's all I've been focusing on. And it's been great. I got sick and I was like, dang it, I'm sick. And all my weights, like I had to pull back. And then I went back at it this week and they're all back up and I'm hitting numbers I've never hit in my life. And so to me, I'm just like, I don't want to prep right now. Cause I don't want to lose that. So I'm just, you know, that's all I'm doing. I'm focusing on my strength and just getting it back up. And, and if you focus on that, the physique will follow. Yes. So I think that's so important. Know, yes, absolutely. Cause if you're just focused on your physique only and not strengthening, and that was my thing is 
I couldn't get stronger if I wasn't eating food. And every single year I wasn't eating enough food to perform better in the gym. And that reflected on stage. So why not get off and completely do the opposite? Let me eat the food. Let me lift the weights. Let me get stronger in the gym and my physique will follow. So that's the plan. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I think that's phenomenal. And again, that's exactly what I did, uh, in, in my improvement season was like, all right, well, this weight is a little uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. yeah, my performance put it to use. <laughs> is, is amazing. I mean, I'm, I mean, I was 125 pounds um, pulling 300 on my deadlift for double. You are freaking strong like that though. Your deadlifts are insane, but I had to let go. I mean, no, but you should have seen where I started. I mean, I was pulling two miles at like 135 when I started, but <laughs> like I was fighting it. And I said, no, I'm going to follow. I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat mm-hmm. up. I went to intuitive eating for a point. I kind of probably ate too much at one point. Right. And then I was like, all right, I got to start tracking and pulling back. Yes. I did kind of what you did. <laughs> right. I ate all my same foods but I love sandwiches and you follow me, you know, I'm eating all the bread. So I was like, all right, okay, you got to chill on the bread and take it out. <laughs> yeah. <same>. We got to start <laughs> pulling bread. back. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you like, that was the best. And now mm-hmm. my feedback, I mean, from Sandy this year was, you know, just a little bit more glute density and a little bit more conditioning. And I'd never got to a point where I was uh, conditioned enough. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. I took over my business and you know, that's, that's the focus. So, uh, mm-hmm. there's always going to be a stage there. And for me, if I were to get to the point where I am, you know, first call it at nationals competing for that pro card and I turn pro, like I would also love to have the physique that would allow me to get on the pro stage and mm-hmm. at least second call out. Like I'm not, I don't expect to jump on and win a pro show. Like I said, genetically, I'm just not a freak, but, um, right. you know, I, yeah, I, I understand. I, I don't have that trigger to rush the process either, because for me as an athlete, I also want to get into athletic endeavors, right? Powerlifting is not for me. I don't really want to bench. Um, so I'm thinking about doing jujitsu or boxing, uh, mm-hmm. something that's more skill-based because I grew up as a basketball player and I love skill-based training. Whereas, you know, bodybuilding is not necessarily a skill. It's more of a genetic thing. Like, right. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's more of like, it's for me, it's, I can improve on this because I can control how much skill I develop or don't develop, um, in those endeavors. Um, so for me, that's exciting. And I think it's important for people to find goals that align with their personality and the type of person that they are and, and what brought them into bodybuilding as in the first place, right. Which is being a performance athlete in some level, mm-hmm. whether you have a CrossFit background or a powerlifting background, or you were an athlete growing up or whatever it might be. And so take that that part of you that loves the sport where you can still focus on growth and improvement and training hard, but also other elements that make you show up as the athlete. Um, because again, when you're shredded, your performance sucks. You're not mm-hmm. operating like an athlete. You're trying to hold on for dear life. <laughs> um, to try if you track your logbook, like the most infuriating thing is seeing that you have to drop weight. Right. And then obviously for stimulus, you're going to increase reps, but, um, you know, it's just one of those things not to get caught up in your composition. And if you're working with a coach, think about this. And this is what I tell my athletes all the time. It is counterproductive for me to allow you to put on superfluous amounts of body fat in your off season. Cause I have to diet you. So mm-hmm. I don't want you to get fat. you know, like I'm going to tell you, okay, we're in a good maintenance phase here, right? Now we're going to pay mm-hmm. biofeedback performance, recovery, and all those metrics to kind of indicate where we add food and how we add food. Um, but I think that if you're working with someone, you need to focus on and trust them and get off the fucking internet because there's so many opinions and people will Mm -hmm. tell you something different. 
And there's plenty of coaches that are willing to tell you, well, that's not right. Well, that's not right. Well, I would do this, or you should be doing that, right? Because they want to sound like the superior voice. So number one, if you've invested in somebody, you need to have the conversations with them and talk to them about where you're at and what your goals are and trust that what they lay out for you is for you guys to work in collaboration as a team together through that process. Um, because again, like you fighting the process, you're not going to make progress. Right. If you like overshoot the process, you're still going to have to do a lot more work to prep again, if that's what you're going to do in timeline. Like I said, the blueprint and the roadmap for everybody's going to be a little bit different, but understanding and having that conversation with your coach of like, listen, yeah, it's not right for either of us if I just get fat. So that's not going to happen, but it's also Mm -hmm. not right for either of us if I don't fully recover. So that's not right either. And then the approach in between has to depend on what you want and where you're at as a person. So um, I wish there was like a one size fits all. Right. It would be so much easier. It would be easier because people just want an answer. And I'm like, I can't just, I'm not going to lie to you. I can't do that. So um, context will be everything in personality, life situations. Do you have a family? Do you have kids? What does that look like for you? Right. How Mm -hmm. is your day to day schedule? What is your work schedule? Like, you know, it's, there's so many variables that go to building a plan properly for that person. Right. And I, I would advise, like, if you are going to do a recovery thing, kind of like I did is to work with somebody so that you, like, I was able to get to the point where I'm at right now, where I was like, okay, I feel good. I'm recovered. I don't need to keep gaining weight because that's going to do me no good. I, this is where I should be at. And I should sit here and just watch the body recomposition happening, keep healing and keep feeling good. I don't need to keep eating or eat like an asshole or go off the rails and gain another 10 pounds. Cause it's not going to help me for next year. When I get on stage, it's just longer. I'm going to have to lose weight. So I, I feel it's important to work with somebody to help you through that process, because I feel like a lot of people will just keep going, <laughs> you know, they'll gain the weight, they'll feel good, but they'll just keep going and they'll overshoot it. Um, so, you know, working with someone and having that transparency to tell them and, and tell them when you go off the rails, I have so many clients who will kind of try to hide it from me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Tell me so we can work through this and, and build a better plan. That's going to suit you better. Um, cause again, it's context dependent. Everybody is so different. Um, and it's important to just heal. I think that was just like my lesson of the season was healing <laughs> really. Yeah. And it's so important because even just the way that you operate, the way that you engage with mm-hmm. the way that we chat back and forth, like I can tell, like, just the energy that you have is better. Like for me, I know oh, that yeah. I'm covered when I'm me and I'm like talking with my hands and doing all this crazy shit. And you know, mm-hmm. when I'm diet, I'm like, I am not moving. <laughs> <laughs> no extra energy. <laughs> yeah. I really watching the clock. Like when is my next meal? And I just ate and, Oh, you know, mine's uh, like, is it bedtime yet? Cause I'm really hungry. I just need to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And so it, I, I don't know. I love this conversation. Um, and I don't want to draw it out, but if you, if you have any final um, notes or thoughts that you want to share with people, that last one was a good one, but plug it right now. Yeah, no, I just feel like I, I think just heal, just to recover and to ask for help when you need help and to understand your triggers. Everybody's triggers are different and to just understand what triggers you and to know that numbers are just data because it's so helpful. That's all I got. Yes. A friggin' data point. And again, like mm-hmm. this is what drives me nuts. The scale going down is not necessarily a good thing. What if the scale going down means that you are losing muscle? You still Oof, that's celebrate the worst. that. <laughs> but like when people think about the scale, it's just like, it's literally a data point. You have to let it go. Like when it goes up, like it doesn't mean it was fat. What if you are like, you know, filling out better or your performance is better. Or you're carrying inflammation or it's that time of the month or you're ovulating. Some people spike mm-hmm. around then. Like there's so many factors or you didn't poop. Like again, 
So the scale going up is not a bad thing. The scale going down is not always a good thing. Um, and just, yeah, communicate, 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 be honest, uh-huh. be coach, um, and make sure that you are also being honest with yourself. Exactly. Do not say, I want a disciplined and diligent reverse, and then you're still struggling and then you're overeating. And then you're not telling your coach when, if you were just like, yeah, I tried it and listen, this ain't for me. So we're going to need to bump some more food here. <laughs> like I would oh, yeah. rather hear that. Um, and be like, oh, coach, I fucked up. And then I was on the stairs and I tried to overcompensate because that, um, is not helping anybody and Mm -mm. is going to set you up for long-term issues. So, um, Alicia, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me on. This was good. Yeah, it definitely was. And we will do it again soon. Perfect.